This is Photo BizX episode number 506, and today, an interview on a topic I don't believe I've covered in the past. We're talking sports photography, and in particular, strength-related sports portraiture. A special guest works full-time on this genre. She's based in Quebec City, one of the French-speaking regions of Canada, and I know you are going to love everything that she shares in today's episode. I'm talking about Michelle Grenier, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, photographer, interviewer, and host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you grow a better photography business even faster than going it alone and like I said in the intro I know you're going to love today's episode not only for the fantastic content that Michelle will be sharing with you but also for her incredibly beautiful accent that I'm confident that you are going to love just as much as I do so stick around for that one oh and I should say whether or not you photograph sports or are interested in sports based photography There are some absolute gems in this one, particularly when Michelle shares the details about some software that I had not heard of before. It's AI-based and sounds incredible. So stick around for that. It's coming up shortly. Before we do get into that interview, just a couple of quick things. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Rebecca Sign, make sure you do get back and have a listen to that one. Rebecca has perfected her website and her photography brand in such a way that clients either love her and will wait up to a year to be photographed by her or to have their family photographed by her, or they see her website and realize she's not the photographer for them. But that's only part of the story because she doesn't actually meet with her clients until the day of the shoot. She has minimal interaction with them and to top all All that off, she only uses online sales after having tested IPS and she sells more, is more profitable with the business model that she has by selling online because families are more likely to put more in their shopping basket when she's not there selling herself. So again, get back and have a listen to Rebecca. She shares an incredible ton in that interview and I know you'll find so, so many takeaways. If you have been following along inside the PhotoBizX Premium Members Facebook group, or maybe you're in other groups, but there has been a story surrounding a studio in Brisbane, Australia, Gap Studios, and they were featured, for want of a better term, on A Current Affair, a TV program here in Australia. It is a current affair program, but I say that again very, very loosely. It really is a sensationalised, dramatic look at the news. It's very one-sided journalism and is really the epitome of trash TV. But in saying all that, if you didn't see the segment I'm referring to, it's where a few photography clients from Gap Studios were interviewed and Gap Studios were exposed for using shady marketing strategies, high-pressure sales tactics and the program featured these unhappy clients. And to give you a little bit of an outline, the studio was running promos, 
I haven't seen them specifically on Facebook, but I'm guessing that's where they were, judging by what I've seen on the program. And they were running competitions. There were lots of winners. The winners won a free session and also a credit, sorry, not a credit, but an 11 by 14 print to the value of 600 odd dollars. Like you've heard from so many of these promos, the families go in for a photo session. They have a great time. They see the photos at the reveal or sale session and they're upsold during that session. Now this particular studio, they have a big projector, they have music, emotional music like so many photographers utilize when they're showing off a slideshow after a portrait session. And the families are told or the clients are told that if they don't order then and there, then those photos will be deleted forever. They won't have a chance to come back and get them. So it is a high pressure sales tactic. I don't think it's rare in our industry. No matter how bad this story was presented, there's no denying that it's not good for photographers, for us photographers. It does paint us in a bad light. Hearing clients saying things like they were duped, they were slimy sales tactics, they were manipulated into spending more than they wanted to, and it goes on and on. So yeah, I, I agree, this is not good for photographers. But in saying that, do I think we should stop promoting and upselling and running promotions and marketing campaigns to try and attract families into our portrait studios? No, no, I believe that is a part of doing business. And one of the things about running a portrait photography studio or business is that we need to give clients a reason to pick up the phone or get on the email and make a booking. We need to incentivize them to take action. And what I would implore you to do if you are using these tactics, which I have and I do, is to be 100% clear and upfront with what happens after the session. But let me, let me just take you back a tiny step. If you're running a competition, any kind of competition, it's, it is a scam to have everyone be a winner. And that, that goes, I mean, if it feels slimy to you, if it feels wrong, it is. So don't run a competition, a marketing-based competition, and have everyone as a winner. Can you have multiple winners? Yes. Can you have a grand prize winner, multiple runner-up, and third-place prize winners? Yes, you can. I don't like the idea of everyone being a winner. That just does not feel right. Now, let's say you do get some leads and you want to qualify those leads. We've talked about that in the past, you know, whether that's through a questionnaire, a phone consultation, however you may do it. It's very, very important that you're clear with that prospective client of what they might spend. And you might say something along the lines of, there's a good chance that when you see your photos, you're going to fall in love with all of them. You're going to want to buy them all. If that's the case, most families end up spending three to four or five thousand dollars on wall art if they do want to take everything home. You have to have numbers and figures out there that are realistic for what your clients may spend. And you need to stop talking and, and wait for a reaction and see what they say following those statements. And if you want to get a better idea of how to do this, make sure you go back and have a listen to the interview that I did with Lorena Cora. It was a role play based interview because she was struggling with this exact thing. And I gave her some ideas on how she could approach talking about money, what clients might spend. And these are the things we should all be doing before we take any clients through a promo where they're getting a free session and going to be sold upsold to afterwards. Look, I mean, there are so many things I could go into about this terrible 
terrible piece of reporting from a current affair. But look, I've got links to the video if you want to have a look at it yourself. There are so, so many things left out of that piece. One of the, the major things, to my way of thinking, is the photos are fantastic that this studio is delivering. The experience that the families are getting in the studio is fantastic. This is a one, two or three hour photo session from what I was hearing in the reporting that looked and sounded like a heap of fun for the families. So of course they were going to be emotionally invested in the photos once they saw them. They still had the choice to take home their free print, but the people that were interviewed on the program, they obviously wanted to take home more photos and they had to pay for them and they just weren't happy with the price. So I mean, yeah, to me, they could have walked away with their one print and that's on the table and available to them, but they didn't want to walk away from those photos. And I can understand that because they were emotionally invested. They had invested time and energy into getting those photos and to hear the program or the reporter suggesting that these families wanted to come in for a a quick snap, you know, and that was the terminology that they were using was absolutely ridiculous. These photos well, the ones that I've seen are absolutely gorgeous. They're, they're styled, they're well lit, they're beautifully retouched, they're beautifully printed. But again, the way that the studio gets from that inquiry to the point where they're making the sale, there are obviously some big issues in that process that I would suggest if you are listening to this podcast, you wouldn't be using those same strategies. I'd like to think you weren't anyway. I've got links to the recording in the show notes for today's episode. There's also a link to the thread inside the members Facebook group. Lots of different opinions being shared in there. And again, just to to wrap this segment up, there's no reason for you to stop running these promos. Just do the right thing. If it feels slimy, if it doesn't feel right to you, it probably isn't. And you need to reshape the way you're doing things and just be upfront and honest with your clients. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Okay, we are going to jump into this interview with Michelle Grenier in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Michelle. I am saving a portion of the second half of premium members only. So if you are loving what Michelle shares. And if you'd like to hear more of her beautiful accent, then you can do so for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. Head over to photobizx.com forward slash try for more details on that. You get access to the full interview today with Michelle, get access to the full back catalog, get an invite to the premium members Facebook group and get a chance to hear what you're missing out on every single episode. photobizx.com forward slash try for more details on that. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest is a full-time sports photographer who specializes in high-performance and strength-related sports portraits. Her mission is to help companies, brands, and even organizations share real and intense visual stories all over the world. And if you take one look at her portfolio, you will see the work of a photographer who knows lighting, timing, editing, pain, commitment, speed, and pushing the limits. Her work, it's been featured on the covers of magazines, both sports and photography, as well as feature articles and blogs for photographers and sports brands around the world. In addition 
to her badass photography. She's also an author, a Skylum software and Holdfast ambassador, a speaker and an educator. She's based in Quebec City in Canada, and I'm talking about Michelle Grenier, and I'm wrapped to have her with us now. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much, Andrew, for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know English isn't your first language, but you have beautiful English. So tell me about life in Quebec. Is it almost all French speaking? Yes, it's mostly all French speaking. And I don't know, because we're basically on the opposite sides of the world, you and I. So you right now, is it it's summer for you? Yes. So it's winter is beginning here and we're having snow. So it's getting colder and we're getting in the Christmas uh, spirit. Nice. So <laughs> does work slow down for you during winter or is your business running all year through? It's never really the same, honestly. It just depends on the year. This year, I have a lot of projects coming up and sometimes it's just really dead. So it's just, it's different from year to year, honestly. Okay. And tell me and the listener a little bit about your business. So, I mean, I said you're a sports photographer. Are your clients predominantly commercial clients? Is it sporting associations? Is it the actual athlete? Like who's paying you to take the photos that you do? It's mostly the uh, organizations and for a commercial purpose, because, you know, I'll be really honest. I've started with photographing athletes because I was, you know, you have to start somewhere. And I was getting practice and everything. So I did like one-on-one photo shoots. And with the years, I wanted to have bigger contracts. And who has most money? Well, it's, you know, bigger organizations, it's businesses. So I usually work with them pretty much for all my, my contracts. Okay. So is this like a, a shoe brand or a clothing brand? Like give me an idea of the kind of clients you have. I have a lot of gyms. So usually it's because a client wants to have new pictures for their websites or their social media, or they want to do advertising and they want, you know, great looking images. Or sometimes it's for when you have a sports event. So I'm thinking there was a a big hockey tournament here last year. Well, it's not last year. It was earlier in 2022. I'm already in 2023. And uh, that's called the Peewee. And it's a really big hockey organization. And CCM was sponsoring the uh, uh, particular team. And they wanted to have pictures of the team as they were playing. So, you know, it was a really, really cool event for me to cover. And also, I think it was my best event from all my career. It was this summer. Um, the I don't know how you say in English. Is it FIBA, uh, F-I-B-A, it's a, the, a basketball organization. Okay, right. I'm sorry for all the guys who know really well what I'm talking about, and I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. And uh, it was in a three-big uh, tournament, and it's a, a world tour, and they were stopping here in Quebec City, and they needed pictures for this uh, two, three days event. And it was, oh my gosh, I've got so many great pictures. I've had a great time. This was so fun. So once again, it was a sponsor that needed uh, pictures of the event. So I did this work with them. So that's most of the kind of work that I'm doing or that I'm looking to have in the future even more. Right. So are you then in competition with, you know, organizations like Getty Images or, you know, other agencies 
or are you competing against other freelancers? Is it competitive in the market that you're operating in? Good question. I, maybe it's because I'm in Quebec City, but I mean, maybe if I were in New York or something like that, we would see like Getty Images photographers everywhere. But here, I don't think, or I'm not really aware of them being here and taking pictures of events here. I guess I'm against other freelancers. Uh, to be honest, I'm not really aware of who else offers this type of service. Like I'm really specialized in, I like to call this badass action, but I just do sports. You know, sometimes you meet photographers who do a little bit of everything. They'll do uh, weddings and then uh, uh, babies and families and then a little bit of sport. And But I like to think that in Quebec City, if someone needs sports photography, I like to believe that they would think or they would be referred to me because that's the only thing I do. <laughs> right. I love that. But it must be one of the most difficult markets to be profitable in or to have enough work all year round to sustain a lifestyle. Is that what you've found? Like, have you been tempted to go and photograph families and babies and weddings to supplement your income? I'm going to sound so bad, but not really because... Uh... <laughs> I don't just don't see myself like taking family portraits and okay, look at me right here. Okay, place yourself right there. No, I'm, I like to be like a fly on the wall. I don't like to interact with people. It sounds so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just like to witness action. And I always say if I could have a superpower, it would be an um, invisibility cape. Like no one could see me. I don't have to speak to anybody. Just give me my camera. Let me somewhere. I'm going to do my job. And so to come back to your previous question, yes, it's sometimes hard because it's true that there's not always photography events or contracts to have. So that's why mostly I've started actually during the pandemic, as probably many photographers did as well, to, do you say, diverse your income, diversity, so I've started a YouTube channel and uh, I'm not saying this because I'm doing big bucks with this. It's just because I found another passion that's also related to photography, but that led me to other opportunities and uh, also to allow myself to be really an artist and a creator in many ways, not just in the act of doing, taking pictures. So I like also to write articles for like, um, you know, I'm a Skylum ambassador. Sometimes they need articles or sometimes I've been writing for a, a Canadian company that sells photography gear or for uh, I've written a couple of articles for Tamron as well, like to review the lenses. So these are all great opportunities that are not that are related to sports photography, but I that don't need me to find and to have an event to, you know, it's a different way to get income out of what I can do. Right. So are you getting paid for writing these articles, for producing the YouTube videos, or is that down the road? Is that coming? I am being paid for the articles. And that's something that I've really enjoyed to do. I've started writing like at the very beginning of my career. So now I've got a great... Um, how do you say, like, you know, different people, you have a contacts or a, a network, network. Yeah. A network. So I've 
I've grown my network. So you're actually bringing in an income with the writing and the YouTube channel. So you're building a network. Is that to then to grow that other side business, if you like? Exactly. Because first, my vision for the future is not to rely only on me having to being somewhere to get paid. And if I can put out there online, you know, there's so many opportunities, you know, just like a podcast, you put it somewhere in the internet and it's available. You did the work once and it's available for the world to see or to hear for a lifetime. And I find this is so powerful and this is so fun because, you know, when I'm going to, no, I'm not thinking about it all the time. You know, when I'm not going to be there anymore, there's a part of me that's still going to live on. And I found it's that's fun. That's fun to do. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So tell me, how long has sports photography been a business for you? How long has it been bringing in an income? Since the very beginning, I did actually a career uh, change, change of career. And I went back to school to have a degree in photography. So that was a course or a class that lasted 17 months. And during while I was at school to learn to be a professional photographer, I had to leave the job that I had prior to being in school because I was now a full-time student. So I couldn't work full-time as I used to do. So I had to learn really fast how to create an income for myself with photography. So during my very first year, all the money that I did was from my photography. Wow. Fantastic. So was this five, six years ago? Six years, I'm beginning my, my seventh year. Fantastic. Okay, and what's the revenue looking like now? So the best, like this year, I think maybe I did something like 40K, which is not a big amount. The pandemic really hit me, you know, in 2020, it changed a lot of things. And luckily for me, because I know photographers who've had to, you know, start beginning to deliver pizzas to make a living. And because I've had other sources of income, that really helped me during this really hard year. And um, the best year that I've had yet was in 2019, when I, I made like 60k. And it was like building up. So from the beginning, it was building up and up. And that year, I got 60k. Now the pandemic hit. So I kind of fell down and I'm building up again, but I kind of switch my strategy. So instead of focusing only on taking photographs, that's like to have multiple income. And I strongly believe in taking a step backward to make two steps forward. So I'm looking in the long term, and I, in my mind, if this works, and I really do believe it could work, then I would be so, I had like, um, a really interesting lifestyle because I would have so much freedom to create because I wouldn't have to be somewhere to get paid necessarily. And I could do the projects that I want to do with who I want to do. And that's the way I'm looking at things. And my lifestyle, you know, I don't have children. I have two cats, but you know, <laughs> besides the food and the vet from time to time, it's low, pretty low maintenance. So, you know, I know that other photographers couldn't, live with 40 or 50k a year but for me you know it's a very okay living for myself and honestly I'd rather do that 
and do what I love and being passionate with what I do and having the opportunity to just work building it from there and just going up, then doing something that I don't like or part-time something that I don't like and feeling miserable and feeling like I wish I could do something else. This is really, I believe, depending on the personality of every person and also, well, their situation. But for me, I'm living a happy life. That's what I can say. Well, that's the best. No one could ask for anything more than that. That is for sure. I don't think so. <laughs> so do you see yourself, and I imagine you introduce yourself as a sports photographer or a badass sports photographer, but do you see yourself as a business operator, as a content creator, as a photographer? How do you see yourself? This is a very good question, Andrew. I'm a little bit of all this, I think, and it depends on on my mood or on the day. Sometimes, you know, it, it goes, I might say week by week. So one week I would feel really creative. I'm gonna, you know, write articles and do YouTube videos and feel really creative. And then a week after I feel drained because I did all this work the week before. So I'm gonna work on my, you know, my numbers and my accountability and all the boring, but brainless stuff. And I think what really helped me, if I'm thinking about all the other students that got a degree at the same time that I did, I believe I might be the only one in the class that's still working in photography all these years later. And I believe this is because I have a business side in me. And when you want to make a living out of photography, Yes, you have to be able to do great pictures, but you also have to know how to make yourself seen, make your work seen, get new clients, advertising, because you could be the best photographer in the world if nobody knows it and you're alone in your basement. Well, it's kind of hard to make a living out of it. Absolutely, for sure. So looking back, having done the degree that you did, did you think that do you still believe that was important to have that, that certification, that training behind you, or was it a waste of time? <laughs> this is such a great question, and I did a YouTube video actually on that. And just, uh, just to say, it's all in French, so if any of you speak French, you could go to the YouTube channel, but if not, I'm sorry, or you could learn French there. <laughs> uh, but I did a video on that, and I was kind of... Um, I am unsure. Am I glad I did it? Yes, because it took out the, um, how do you say it? the imposter syndrome? Is it? Yes. Yes. I felt like when I got my degree in my hand, I was worthy or I was, it was okay to call myself a professional photographer because it showed everybody that I did my homework and that I work hard and I did my classes and I passed my exam. And now I was supposed to be, you know, entitled to be a professional photographer. Did it help me building my business? A lot of things I believe I learned by myself. And because I'm working really on a niche on sports photography, all the classes that we learn, like studio lighting and food, uh, photography and family portraits and things like that, 
were not really, you know, interesting to me or I'm not doing anything with what I've learned there. And also, I've never had a client who's asked me to see my degree. <laughs> right. They're looking at your portfolio. They're, they're looking for uh, references. If you're doing a great job, if you're professional, if you're on time, if you delivered photos in a decent amount of time. So basically what the client will look at, it's not really your degree. It's can he or she do the job? Mm -hmm. So that's my answer to this question. Makes sense. It makes sense. You mentioned the term imposter syndrome. I don't think that exists for women as family or newborn or definitely newborn and wedding photographers. Do you feel that or did you experience that going into the sports photography arena? Not necessarily in the sport photography area, but just as calling myself a professional photographer. Right. You know, you're at a point in your life where you're not a professional photographer, whatever you were doing before and whatever age. And there's a point somewhere when you're going to introduce yourself as a professional photographer. So at what point are you comfortable? Some people have no problem at all. And some people <laughs> maybe should be a little more reserved, maybe with calling this themselves a professional <laughs> photographer. Um, but for me, it was hard at the beginning to say, you know what? I was kind of shy to say it. Me too. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm not the only one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even after 20 years. And for me, I felt like I wasn't creative enough oh. to be called a photographer. Really? What was it for you? Why did you feel like you weren't a professional photographer? I guess it was the experience. Yeah. Because now I have no problem saying this and I'm proud of saying this. And the only difference between being comfortable and uncomfortable is the experience. Right. So now you can, I mean, you call yourself a badass sports photographer. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want the people to see in my work. I'm not like, um, that's not because I'm a girl that I'm a girly girl. You know, I like sweat. I like hard work. I like heavy weights. I like, you know, workouts and when it's hard and that's why what I want people to see in my personality, I guess, and in my work. So that's why I like to add this little um, uh, term, little term, that word, that describing yeah. the adjective. I like it. Exactly. I like yeah. it. Um, <laughs> when I was reading the intro and I was looking on your website, I saw that you're a, a Skylum ambassador. What is Skylum? Where do you use it? It's a software company. And they're mostly known for their Luminar software. So they have Luminar AI, and the most recent one is called Luminar Neo. And what's really cool with their software is they work a lot with AI, with artificial intelligence, which makes, uh, I thought at first, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I don't know if I'm interested because I don't want anyone to do the work for me. I want to, you know... <laughs> edit a picture as I see it myself, not a computer telling me what to do. And then I've learned to use the tools and it just makes everything faster and more convenient. And it's been a staple for me when I was a beginner. And as I got more experience and developed my style of editing, it kind of grew with me because I've learned to use the tool in a more complex way. 
So you can use it really as as simple or as complex as you want to make it. Okay. I really want to ask you more about this because the AI at the moment is going crazy and I hear all kinds of things. Some photographers are basically saying it should be taboo. It's not real photography. It's going to wreck our industry and others are embracing it and loving it. So tell me, how do you actually use Skyline? Is it a Photoshop plugin? Does it work with Lightroom or is it standalone? So it's a standalone and it's a plugin. So if you're used to, I was used, I learned at school to work with the Adobe CC environment. So when I got introduced to Luminar, I wasn't phased because I just use it as a plugin in Lightroom. And now I just got rid of Lightroom. I just use Photoshop and Luminar. So I use both of them. Sometimes I use it as the standalone or when I want to do like a lot of editing and more really refined and particular retouching, I'm going to open it in Photoshop. So it just depends on the workflow that I'm looking for. Okay. So give me an example. Let's say you photograph an event and it's a running event. I've seen like there's a photo, there's an example on your website with all the runners coming under the start banner, that the rain is amplified. Uh, There's a before and after sort of slider, which looks amazing. So if you had that image to start with, like, how do you use Luminar or AI to make it better or to fit in with your vision? So basically, I know exactly the picture you're talking about, and it's one of my favorite running pictures. And it was raining so hard. It's the only time I've been afraid to ruin my camera gear. Um, so what I would do is I know that I really want to enhance this picture. So I would drag and drop it on Luminar. It's really simple. So inside Photoshop or on the standalone? For this one, I remember I did it on the standalone. So I have Luminar open. I dragged and drop, you know, you have your folder with all your pictures. Drag and drop this particular picture in there. If I had a bunch, I could drag and drop a bunch also. It doesn't matter. And you can edit the raw file or a JPEG. It doesn't matter. It does both. So usually I work with raw files because I have the most details. And I would just go through the tools as you get used to work with the software, you know you have some favorite tools that you're, you know, they're your go-to. So I know I'm going to use structure because there's the rain and I want to really emphasize the rain and the, the contrast and the structure so we can see all the the heavy rain that it's pouring. So I'm going to, you know, emphasis a structure. And there's a really cool tool that is called Enhance AI. And as it says, when you move the slider, this is where the AI comes really handy. It recognizes the scene and then it's going to enhance, you know, contrast and saturation and a general lighting of the picture to make it pop. And you can decide, you can look, have a look at this and say, oh, I really like what it does for this picture. Or we can say, oh, that's not, that's, that's not what I envision. And you just turn it down and use other tools. But most of the time, it's really interesting. It's almost more intelligent than I am. So, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so to me, when I think of AI and the examples that I'm seeing online at the moment, I'm seeing scenes created from the photographer's or the artist's imagination. So that same running photo, if that was photographed on a sunny day, can you turn it into the rainy portrait that it is? Or you're really just enhancing your existing image? 
oh, you could totally transform it. There's a, a feature called the background removal. So the AI is going to recognize the subject or the subject and recognize what is the background. It's going to remove it and you can replace it for whatever you want. So if you want to transform a sunny day into a rainy day, you can put like, you know, a, a sky with really dark clouds. And then on top of it, you could add a texture, like a rain texture, and then use the, um, I'm looking for the, I won't find the word. Um, you know how to transform a layer? The, um, yes. You have normal screen. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I know what you mean, the layer effects. You want to adjust the effect of the layer. Yeah, exactly. So you can adjust this to make it more realistic. So you can add as many layers as you want to, to make it realistic. I personally go for the more, quote, natural look. So I don't do a lot of photomontage. Yeah. Is it how you say this? Yes, yes. It sounds nicer when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> In French, I would just say photomontage, but I have to put a little accent so you can understand. Photomontage. And uh, definitely you can do that. Luminar Neo offers uh, multiple layers you can put on top. There are a lot of amazing tools to just make it look realistic. So if this is your creative way, this could really serve you. Okay. So it sounds like this is really just like advanced Photoshop. Like it's, uh, it's taking Photoshop to a whole new level by introducing the AI and really just enhancing your current image. It's not creating something from scratch. It's not making it totally fake. No, it's working with what's already there. And what's making it work? It's because the AI recognizes what's in your scene and it's going to suggest you or add things that are relevant to what's in the frame. Got it. Okay. So let's say you're photographing a gym and there's an event on at the gym and you've got 150 portraits. Then can you apply whatever AI action that you've applied to one image? Can you apply it to all the images and, and have it look pretty good straight away oh my gosh this okay i'm really glad you're asking this question because my life changed when they came up with the portrait ai tool i don't remember i think it was maybe two years two three years ago i'm not sure it started in luminar ai and they have it also now in luminar neo and basically what this tool does is it recognizes portraits so if there's one person in a picture or ear <laughs> I'm sorry, I can, I'm so excited I can speak anymore. Or if there are a bunch, there is a bunch of people, like 10 people in your picture, it's going to recognize all the faces. And then you can ask the tool, okay, I want you to put on face light. So it's like bringing your own reflector or your own flash. Wow. And it's going to bring up the, uh, the uh, exposure, kind of, but in a very natural way for all the faces in the picture. And then, okay, I want to enhance the eyes. I want to diminish dark circles. I want to remove pimples. I want to have brighter teeth or darker, redder lips. And this is all just with, you know, you just move a slider, a couple sliders, a few sliders. And then when you're happy with the look of a certain picture, if I've got 150 of them, I can either save this look as a preset and use it on all the other images, or you can just copy and paste on all the other images. 
And of course, it's going to take, you know, a few minutes to process because AI has to work for each and every single picture. But the really cool thing is that it's the AI that's working. It's not you that's working on every single picture. So you can absolutely do batch processing. And this is what I do all the time. <laughs> wow. Okay. So does that mean you have to be connected to the internet and it's the the servers at the AI that are looking at your images? Or is this all happening uh, remotely on your own computer? No, it's on your computer. You don't have to be on the internet. So if you have an older MacBook, like I have a MacBook Pro 2015, it's taking a little longer than if I had a 2023 MacBook. I don't know which year they are. Maybe the 2024, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so... It works on older computers, and of course, it works faster if you have a more recent computer. Right. So do you find yourself now after a shoot, you do, uh, I guess you do your culling, and then once you've got your favorite images, do you take them into Luminar or you take them into Photoshop? It depends. If I know, like, I have a really, really great image that I'm going to add to my portfolio or that I'm going to do um, a post on it, or I really want to make it look like an editorial style image, I'm going to bring it into Photoshop and then open the um, plugin, Luminar plugin, do like 90% of my editing. And then I'm going to come back to Photoshop and fine tune, you know, if I have with the um, eraser, which I could do, totally do in Luminar Neo or Luminar AI, but I'm just used to Photoshop. So for me, it's just a faster workflow to do that. And I'm going to, you know, or if I want to change the dimensions of an image or make it look wider and I have to, you know, drag the background to a wider image, I find it easier to do that on Photoshop. So this is why I'm working that way. Okay. So for the newer photographer, there's a chance that something like Luminar could replace Photoshop or even Lightroom for them. Oh, yeah. And I think because you can either buy like the all lifetime version or you can have um, a monthly subscription. Thank you. Subscription. <laughs> it's later at night here in Quebec. I'm sorry. <laughs> My brain is beginning to uh, slow down. You're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. And because you have these two options, you can see with your budget, because, you know, you can put so many amount of money for a post-processing software. So you can have both. You can have just one. I often suggest to newer photographers that are not used to anything. They're just asking me which software they could use. I tell them, go with Luminar AI or Luminar Neo. And you can do everything that you could do in other softwares, but you have the AI technology on top of that, which right. makes it really cool. So you can do everything just in there. I love it. Okay, so last question on this, and I want to take you back to the business side of things, but what's the difference between Luminar and, did you say Neo or Neo Pro? What's the difference? Luminar AI and Luminar Neo. Uh, Luminar AI, they came up with this, again, I'm not sure, like a few years, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, and then Luminar Neo has been released, was it last year? It's a really more, it's a newer software, and it has 
more AI tools. So Luminar AI, well, has AI tools. Huh? This is why they call it like that. But Luminar Neo is a more recent version and it offers extensions. So this is really interesting. So let's say you do a lot of low light situation pictures, or you usually have a lot of noise in your pictures because of whatever style of photography you're doing. With Luminar Neo, there's, um, I'm not sure about the exact name, but basically it's a noiseless extension and it's made to, with the AI technology, really reduce the noise in a way that the regular tool in Luminar Neo would do, like in a next level way. So if this is something you know you're, you're going to use, it's a great investment for you to that, to add to your toolbox, you know, and there are many extensions that are right now available. And I know that they're working on a lot of other extensions for next year. So it's really interesting. Wow. Really cool. All right. I have to have a closer look myself, but it sounds amazing. Let me take it back to the business side of things. How do you get the clients that you get? I've started sports photography because, surprise, I was doing a lot of sports myself. So I've started with a good network really early on. I knew a lot of gym owners, a lot of coaches, a lot of athletes. So what I did to kind of advertise myself without having to pay anything, I took advantage of social media. So I reached out to I was doing a lot of CrossFit at the time, so I knew a lot of great international CrossFit athletes, and I reached out to them. A lot of them I knew personally, and some of them I just didn't know, but I reached out to them. And, you know, when you ask someone, hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing my photography, uh, a photography degree, and I want to practice, would you be interested in doing a photo shoot for fun? And if you like the pictures, you know, you can keep them and post them and share them. And of course, everybody's saying yes. So that has been my strategy. That has been the most successful. That didn't cost me anything. And that's got me a lot of view and to grow my network. Right. I think this is what really helped me. So let's say the last job you got. Do you remember what it was? The last shoot you had, the paid shoot that you had. Who was that? What was that? Let me think. Oh, it was a kickboxing event, like an MMA event. Okay, so how did that come about? How did you get that client? I've got a, um, a time run lens to review. It was a 20 to 40 millimeter f2.8. And they're asking to write an article. And of course, they want pictures to illustrate this article. And I had to try the lens myself to see how I liked it, to write something about it. And I wanted to do something different than CrossFit. So I did a um, gymnastics photo shoot. I did an Olympic weightlifting, which is also my go-to with CrossFit. These are my two favorite sports. And I wanted to go out of my comfort zone. And I reached out to a gym owner and asked him, I'm a sports photographer. I have a review to do. Would you have a good athlete in your gym to recommend that could be interested on doing a photo shoot? So he referred me to an athlete and we did the, the pictures. And after that, he said, hey, we have a, a fight. Like, was it like two weeks after, or I don't know, a month after. 
And uh, if you're interested, uh, you could come. And this is how I, and the owner saw my pictures and, you know, so it's kind of, it's not always planned. It's just that when you do the action, often things come back to you in ways that you didn't really expect. And it happened to me many times, like most of the time in my career, you think you're going to have, or you'd want to have this type of event or contract. And finally, it's something else really different that's coming your way. And it's even more exciting. And you didn't expect that. And um, so I try to always remember when times are harder or when I'm just alone by myself and I'm doubting my skills or if I'm ever going to have a job again. <laughs> just do something, do action, and things are going to happen after that. And this is how works a lot of time for me so good so he tells you this athlete tells you about an upcoming event do you then or does the event organizer contact you or did you contact the event organizer i think because he introduced me to the athlete so we kind of already knew well been already introduced so i don't remember if that's me who uh, offered him my services or him who sent me an email but it's been really easy because it's not like as if I was coming out of nowhere and he saw what I did with the athletes. So he was, I mean, probably he liked the work. Impressed. So, yeah. Impressed, impressed, impressed. <laughs> okay. So he contacts you or you're chatting. He's got the event. Then do you give him an hourly rate to shoot the event? Do you charge him for the photos that he wants to use afterwards, but you shoot for free? Like how does the pricing side of things work? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. I can tell you after talking to you for the last hour that English speaking photographers will love hearing your accent and you can still be sarcastic <laughs> and dry with your humor. We, we, will, we will still connect with that. Oh, thanks, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> Michelle, I've had such a great time chatting with you. I've got one more question to ask before I do. Where is the best place for the listener to go and see more of you and your work? So obviously, if you speak French or you want to practice your French, I welcome you to my YouTube channel, which is Michelle Guerrini Photo. I have my website, which is in French and in English. So there's no problem with that, which is it's, it's hard to imagine but the website is michelgueranierphoto.com. And I also have LinkedIn, so you can come by. And you know what? It's Michel Grenier Photo. So you can come and see me at Michel Grenier Photo. I try to make things as hard as possible for you to find me. <laughs> and these are the three most popular places to find me. Perfect. I'll add links to each of those in the show notes so the listener can easily find you and I'll have some examples of your work there as well, which is amazing, uh, like I alluded to in the intro. Um, the last question I have for you is considering what you're doing and everything you've done so far, if I was to come back and uh, talk to you in three or five years' time, where would you like to be? Where do you see yourself? Oh, this is such a great question and it's kind of a, a thoughtful question because you know, I have to think about it now. Um, I really love the online education part of photography. I really, really, really do enjoy that. So in a perfect world, I think that most of my income 
would come from my online classes because I have online classes, but they're in French. My YouTube channel, my articles, my, you know, um, opportunities with different companies. So I would have time to do the projects that I'm really interested in, always in sports photography, like uh, to meet a certain athlete or maybe travel to somewhere to meet uh, an athlete, a rising athlete or to sports event like, you know, like the Olympics or anything. And I would be free to do that. And then come back with all this baggage and this knowledge and all these pictures and show other photographers how I did it, my thought process, my creative process, and share it either in classes or in my YouTube channel. I think this would be a perfect work for me. Wow. So it sounds like you want to be the source of your income. You don't want to rely on the big companies like a Nike or a Reebok. You want it to be coming from Michelle Grenier. I'd love that. Yes. I'm working hard on that. I love that. Michelle, it's been, again, wonderful to chat to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Andrew, for having me. You're a great interviewer. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Michelle as much as I did. Michelle, if you are listening, again, thank you so much for coming on, for getting out of your comfort zone, for sharing everything you did. I loved chatting with you, and I'm wishing you every success for the future, and I hope we can connect again and get an update of how things have progressed in the coming years. Again, massive thanks, Michelle. For you, the listener, I do hope there were a ton of takeaways from what Michelle had to share. I've got links to anything and everything that she mentioned in the show notes for today's episode, including examples of her fantastic work, the images that we were talking about and referencing in the interview. They're all there in that one spot over at photobizx.com forward slash 506. Now, of course, there is a comments area at the very bottom. You can follow up with Michelle there if you have a question. Alternatively, if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Michelle into the members Facebook group so you can have easy access to her there. If you just want to say thanks for coming on or if you have a follow-up question, hit her up inside the members group. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. If you've been following along with the podcast as each episode goes live, you'll know that last week we had the fantastic website training delivered by Jeff Brown. It was how to build a photography website that works. It was incredibly detailed. It was delivered over two sessions and by all accounts, the training was fantastic. I was getting updates and emails from participants as they were making changes to their websites and the changes were fantastic. Now, the good news is if you did miss that training, it is still available as a standalone course on the photobizx.com website. You can access the recordings, the PDF downloads, the slides, access all the links that Jeff was referencing. You can see all the examples. It's all there in that one spot. You can get more details about it at photobizx.com forward slash website course. And to give you an idea of what a couple of photographers were saying about the training, Jen Palmer emailed me to say, wow, if you have any kind of website, I can't recommend this course enough. Several years ago, I paid $5,000 to have my branding done and my website designed. While the result was beautiful, it was nowhere near as impactful as my brand and website will be once I've implemented what Jeff teaches in this class. For several hundred dollars, this is a no-brainer. I also received this one from Carla Morgado. She says, 
Thanks for a great website course. It was easy to implement the changes and now I have a homepage that guides the visitor to take action. They know what I do, where I do it, why I'm different and how to take action. Thanks again. So again, if you want to learn more about that training from Jeff Brown, head over to photobizx.com forward slash website course. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I'll be heading away next week down to Victoria, another state in Australia. We're going to the Victorian Alps, a little town called Bright to go cycling for a week. So bear with me if the episode is a few hours or even a day later than usual. I'll be doing my best to get it out to you between cycling some of the biggest mountains that we have available to us in Australia. And when I say mountains, yeah, they're still pretty big, but they don't compare to the French Alps. Uh, It'll still be some tough riding and some fun days with my mates. And in addition to the cycling, there's probably going to be some golf in the afternoons, some beer drinking, some trash talking, and lots of stories as well. So again, bear with me if the podcast doesn't come out exactly when it usually does. I will be thinking of you, and I will do my best to get it out to you on time. Alrighty, again, have a great week wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, healthy, and well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 